It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble. Chris Preston came out and said it's not a popularity contest because then you end up with a Bodie McBoatface situation and nobody wants that as something that's going to stick on, on your football club. This is a Third Down Gamble Quick Kicks. You're listening live to Third Down Gamble's Quick Kicks and I'm Don Charbon with Pat Mooney and Pat. Just the two of us. Feels like old times already. Sort of a strange feeling. <laughs> <laughs> it's where we started. We came back. Yep. It's hard to believe that we've been at this for over a year now. Yeah, it really is. But it's it uh, has gone quickly because we're enjoying what we're doing. This has been awesome. Yeah, although I'll admit that <laughs> there are times when I'm editing that I want to... <laughs> well, I guess it's awesome for me because I'm not doing all of that work. But thank you, Don, for doing that. <laughs> You've done a fantastic job, and uh, you know, we, as, as you go back and listen to some of our initial episodes, you can see how much we've grown. We've come a long way. I think our uh, our candor is has really developed quite well. And the other thing too that I really appreciate is, I think everyone is understanding what mic levels mean and how close they have to be to the mic and stuff like that. You never think about it when you get started that these things matter, but ultimately, yeah, when you're trying to record somebody's audio, it makes they it- do they they matter. And uh, it has been awesome to have some of our guests in get some different perspectives, whether that's a uh, Heath, which is kind of our regular guy, and uh, also having Andrew, who's a fairly regular interviewee as well. Big shout out, actually, to the Turf District for all the help they give. It's not only on air, but behind the scenes, they, they help quite a bit with questions that I have. And they've given us some shout outs on their podcast as well, which is really sweet. And I highly recommend them. And they're, of course, they go on YouTube every once in a while with their show. They, they do a little... Uh, almost like a teaser in a way, live on the old telly. It is very cool, but I'm glad we're not doing that yet. I don't think everyone would want to see us, Don. I think we sound better than we look. I've been told that often when I got into media, that I have a great face for radio. (laughs) I I like that. Yeah, let's go with that. Speaking of let's go, June the 10th, 2021, Winnipeg versus Hamilton. That is the scheduled start date of the CFL season. Before you get there... You and I, we've got to talk about what's it going to take. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of things still out there that could impact whether or not that league goes. I mean, I, I, as CFL fans, we want to see the league go. I'd love to see 18 games when Randy Ambrosi came out and said we're, we're still moving ahead with the 18-game schedule at one point. I think all true CFL fans were excited by that possibility. But realistically, we know that there are going to be some impediments to starting on that June 10th, and as much as we'd like to see it, we need to discuss, is it possible? Starting with COVID testing, there has been some candor from the commissioner that the cost per team could be in the seven-figure range, and simply put, that would be a million dollars. That seems high to me, but then again, I can't claim to be anywhere near to be an expert on what medical costs are. As fans of the league, we have to assume that they've done their due diligence and that they know the costs. And I like the fact that they've, I think, done this with the CFLPA together to get the the understanding of what the cost is going to be. And, and my understanding is at this point, they're taking that forward to the different provincial health governing bodies. Well, they've also worked with the NHL when they came up with their proposal back a few months ago to get the, the Canadian division started. So there's some expertise that's there that they understand exactly what the needs are. It is significant because testing and vaccines are kind of 
walking hand in hand in in one sense. But as vaccines become more prevalent, testing still remains important, but faith in the whole idea that we can be together again starts to amp up because we're going to trust that and given the numbers that vaccines are working. All the scientific evidence does point to that. So I, I think if they're working and if teams can use that as part of their safety protocol for players and people working within the organization who are going to have to be tested so that the league's able to move ahead, I think I think it's it's obviously going to be well received by the stakeholders involved. So I think that's important. The United States, at least from early numbers, are showing that they're hitting around 25% as we record this podcast of people that have been vaccinated out of their whole population. Now, you think of the types of numbers that are involved to get that percentage out of that size of a population. Canada lags, but again, we're not producing the vaccine in this country, and immediately we're dependent on other sources to bring it in. Now, that could change by this fall until such time as Canada is going to have to be a purchaser, not a producer. And I think that impacts us because, I mean, we'd, we'd all love to be moving ahead. We, we hear of some countries that are close to 100% vaccinated across the EU at times. And, uh, you know, we'd love to be there, but you're right. We are dependent upon other countries and other producers to get them to us. And I think we've seen a lot of countries say we're going to make sure that we take care of our own first in this pandemic. And, and so that's now it's impacting us as Canada. And maybe it will cause our government to take a look at, at supporting either businesses or government organizations that can produce them themselves. And I'm hopeful that we will do that and have the potential to do this in the future in the event of a pandemic where we can make sure Canadians do, again, potentially come first. Not that I want to stray too far off topic, but I know that in Saskatoon, Vito, right by the synchrotron, they are coming up with a vaccine. So it is happening in this country. It just, as with any vaccine, it takes time to get all your testing in. So Canada will get there. It's just a question of when. And once all the efficacy is complete, then they can start rolling it out. With the United States being so far ahead, it's kind of a juxtaposition of last year because last year it was Canada that was far ahead in its shutting down of everything, trying to slow the transmission. The United States was kind of a hodgepodge of, of jurisdictions. It still is down there in many ways, but if their vaccination rates are so high, is it going to be the opposite of what we experienced in 2020 where now the Americans are vaccinated and they're going to be okay to come up here and the Canadians are going to be the ones unvaccinated and the Americans may say, well, wait a tick, <laughs> you guys aren't ready yet. Player safety has got to be paramount for the league, right? And and as those players make the decision to come up, they're going to have to weigh that. Uh, are we going to come up? And, and knowing that, you know, the majority of Canadians initially, as, as it looks like it's going, will not be vaccinated at that point in time when the players come into Canada if we're moving ahead with the same date. Um I would think that many of the players in the U.S. will have an opportunity to be vaccinated, so that should allow them to potentially travel. And, of course, the CFL has to work with the government to make sure the Americans can cross the border and actually work here. Is that deemed an essential service? Is it deemed something that has to happen? And that's the big difference between what the NHL has done and what the CFL wants to do, is that 
the NHL. Although you have to think, though, that there were American and European players that came to play for the NHL. So in a sense, I guess I'm wrong in what I was about to say. You do have situations where you have people from without of the country. That's right. Are coming within the country to play, work, whatever you want to call it. The clear thing in, in their sort of understanding of what they want is, and, and this has already been dealt with last year with the Winnipeg bubble, is that they have certain protocols that they want to be in effect. If you're going to proceed, then we expect this of you. And the CFL met those protocols. So I think if you go back to the federal government and say, look, this is what we want to do, I'm sure they'll be fine with it. And the other good thing that's out there is you've got the experience of the NHL, Major League Baseball, the NHL from last year. You've got the NBA from last year. You've got all of this data that's coming out about certain styles of testing, certain styles of expectation that work well, others that maybe don't work so well. It's not like you're going in blind like you were in spring of 2020. Very good points, Don. We're definitely not going in blind. And we've said this on this podcast numerous times. The, the CFL has had the opportunity to learn from other leagues, whether that be the NFL, now the NHL, and, and even some of the minor leagues that are playing. Um, I, I still think the CFL has to be considered about player safety. So as we spoke before, the COVID testing is a cost that's going to have to take place. The question is who's going to pay that or how does the league make sure they do that? If, as Randy Ambrosi mentioned it's at least seven figures that's that's an extra cost this year and we know teams we've spoken to this as well teams have reduced uh to the minimum player salary so hopefully they might have a bit of room to address some of those costs that are now anticipated costs but the other side is uh, as you mentioned i mean vaccines are not out there so that the transmission rates and the provincial health restrictions that are put on uh, could potentially come into play at this point in the NHL, we haven't seen that. It will be interesting to see how that moves forward. CFL players all wear a face mask for safety. With COVID-19 on our field, we also need to wear our masks to keep everyone safe. Do your part. Be a team player. Well, the NHL, I believe, started a little bit with a hiccup. I think they had 23 players on the COVID list, and now they're down to maybe eight or seven or something like that. It's quite small. The The outlier in all of this is the Raptors now, as of today, have five people that are now on the list. And it's going to be significant in the CFL if something like that would happen, because as with the NFL, you've you've got a certain time period in which you can play a game. You can't go Thursday, Saturday. You've got until maybe Wednesday if there's a, a Sunday, and if you can move the Sunday game to a Monday or something like that. You've got to give these players time to recover from a game. You absolutely do. And if you don't, you're going to create other problems. So you have to you have to function with that in your mind that there's only so many days that we can move before it becomes untenable and a game is just lost. And we have seen it in other leagues where where the teams are moving ahead with their backup players, right? We take the Super Bowl, (laughs) offensive linemen, some key offensive linemen on both tackles, and and yet, uh, you know, you do have to go ahead. So I think the league has to be prepared to have players at times uh, not being able to play due to COVID protocols or provincial restrictions. 
Well, we saw the Denver Broncos lose quarterbacks and still have to play. Mm-hmm. You you maybe have to be harsh as a league when you're enforcing these rules, but if let's say the Tiger Cats lose their starting and their backup quarterback and their third stringer now has to come in and start. It would be very interesting to see that happen. And, and the CFL is not the NFL where they have huge rosters and the ability to keep many on the practice roster. Um, I think we'll see maybe an expanded practice roster. I think the CFL has to start taking a look at all of those variants. And I'm I'm feeling fairly confident that uh, the CFLPA, Randy Ambrosi, are working together to take a look at all those potential variables so that they can be ready to address them if they come. And maybe it's not even if, maybe it's when. Now, one thing that Ambrosi has really pushed is a new budget for all of the teams, something that keeps it more manageable for each team to succeed in a given year. And it's kind of the rainy day approach when everything goes wrong. The team's playing poorly. You have bad weather days at home. You still want to be viable at the gate. The biggest difference between the CFL and the other major professional leagues is that television revenue doesn't come anywhere close to covering the costs of the CFL that it does in the other major leagues. And as such, you have anywhere from 50 to 60 to even 65% of a team's budgeted revenue coming from attendees. And that's huge. And if you don't have fans in the stands to start the season, that's millions that's not going to be available to you. And I'd be a little bit leery if I was an owner to start on June 10th with an empty stadium. I think you've hit the nail on the head in this case, Don. Uh, The CFL, we all know, is gate-driven league, and it would be a huge risk to do that if you can't have at least some fans in the stand to provide some extra income. I think we'll see uh, the league not being able to move ahead without having some form of government support. And we've seen that in some of the, the smaller leagues. Um, you know, let's use the WHL as an example where, where provincial governments are funding some uh, ancillary costs for the league so that they can move ahead. Uh, I think the CFL is going to be in a point where they're going to have to be transparent, put everything on the table for the government and, and so that the government can make some decisions about how and whether they can support because it's a huge risk for owners to start without fans in the stands, as you say. And I, I don't think that that's prudent thing for them to do. I think it really is dependent on fans in the stands, or you have to totally change your schema of how the CFL is going to attract revenue. You could forgive a revenue date. So maybe in June, you don't get fans in the stands, but by July, you do have attendance so that you can start recouping. I think you can have that in place, but I do think that there are so many unknowns when you're doing that, Don. If you are going to say, okay, by middle of July, we need fans in stands. Truly, what are the um, transmission rates for COVID at that point in time? How many people are going to be vaccinated? And I think those are unknown variables at this point where the CFL as a league can't necessarily factor into that. I think they've got to come with more definite that we we feel extremely confident or we have government backing that we will be able to start by this point in time or have some sort of 
support from the government to be able to make the difference up so that we can move ahead in this year? There have been private members' bills in the House of Commons put forward to help the CFL. It does. I, I do wonder whether a federal government will take a look at that and say, okay, at the end of the day, it, it, it is a Canadian institution, it's a Canadian thing, so we'll be willing to support some, but are they going to be asking the provinces potentially to kick in? And then will all the provinces see the value in doing that, those provinces that host CFL teams? That, that, that might be the federal government way of saying, hey, we're willing to do this if you are, right, to move forward so that it's not all on the federal government who honestly won't see the kickback that, that the league generates in terms of revenues for taxations, in terms of revenues for the businesses. They won't see those in the same manner, I don't think, that the provincial government would see. I beg to differ on that one. I do think the federal government actually gets a lot from the CFL, not only from income tax, but you also get it from GST. You get it from a, a myriad of, of ways. I don't see that as an as an issue at all, that the federal government isn't going to get rewarded for, for helping this league out. What I do see, and I kind of agree with you, is that maybe they will say to the six provinces involved, hey, we're going to do this. Can you match? Can you come up with... an if we if if you need a hundred, we'll come up with seventy. Can you do the other thirty? And that I think would be entirely reasonable. I I agree there. I think it is reasonable. I guess Don, a question for you: Do you do you truly feel that government support is going to be required for the CFL to have their season this year? On some level, yes. It there's going to have to be something. I don't know if it necessarily means a non-interest loan or if it means something else. Maybe an expedition of the gambling certification so that money can come in from that, so that they can work out an equation where the CFL gets a cut on all the gambling that takes place on Canadian football games. That would certainly help. It would. The other option, and we spoke off the, the bat about the testing, maybe, maybe the federal government comes in and says we're going to cover the cost of the testing for COVID, right? Something like that might, uh, you know, an in-kind type of contribution as opposed to a monetary donation, if you will. You're right. Mm -hmm. you're, it could be that the federal government will look at it one way or the other. There's, I'm sure that their their door is almost broken through with the number of requests that they've been having from oh. corporate world, from the nonprofit world, from the culture world. The one thing that's on the federal government side, though, is that if they loan and the word is loan, a non-interest payment to the CFL, they, they know that they're securing that return. If you, if you don't do anything, I don't really want to discuss that right now. No, no, the implications are not good. But, if you, but, but you risk that, and it's a risk that they take if they don't do anything. And the bigger part of it is what we discussed a couple minutes ago, the whole business of do you play in front of empty stadiums? If you do, 20,000 people at 50 bucks a ticket, it ain't hard to figure out how much money you're losing per revenue date. So if the federal government says, we'll take care of that for you so you can get to September when we know the majority of the country is going to be vaccinated, maybe there's a way through it. I think that would be fantastic if we could do that. And I think that's where that 
you know, that the league and the government need to take a look at, as you said, that that drop dead date of when people can be in stadiums to provide that financial support. And and I mean, there's been some hope, I guess, recently when, when we look at the NHL just the other night, I think in the U.S. and it was the, the Islanders, I believe, were playing someone uh, and they had fans in the stands for the first time in the U.S. And now we're hearing that the Oilers have made a proposal to have limited number of fans in the stands and and Again, the CFL can learn from these uh, other leagues and, and the situations, in this case the NHL, of how that works and what they need to do to have fans in and keep people safe in that process. Will there be community spread? Um, certainly in Canada, at this point, we don't have people who've had you know, a large population with vaccinations. But in the U.S., they have 25%. So if they start to see that in some of their arenas, we may find out what kind of impact it has in, in terms of the community spread in those situations. Vaccinations are working the way they're supposed to. You're not going to be able to spread the virus if you've been vaccinated. That's the whole point of the vaccination in part mm -hmm. is one, protect yourself, but then protect others as well. If Edmonton gets this, and I know the EE football team is very motivated and very interested in what goes on. Oh, sure. And certainly... I think everyone. Well, they've got them right out their front door. So they know what the Oilers are going to be asking from the city and from the province. Yep. If that goes ahead, then you've got that in your pocket. Yeah, you do. And you can take it to the province and say, if it works for them, it works for us. Let's hope it does. Because to me, the energy of uh, people in the stands is great. We, we talked about player safety, but but the, the clubs themselves also want to be protecting their fans. The last thing they would want is someone to come there and have a major outbreak based on a gathering at a football game. From what I understand, the NFL never had that. I don't think you, you can trace to a game. There may have been a couple of incidences. I wonder if they collected that data. I'm sure that they looked at that data. It isn't hard to figure out who was there and, and what happened to them thereafter. But I think you're right. And the other point that you're making is that the energy, and even the the NFL Super Bowl, which was a stinker of a game, mm -hmm. to have even, I don't know, what was the attendance, 15? Something like that. And again, a number of people who were vaccinated. Right? And it sounded loud. It's amazing that if you get an energized crowd, even 10,000, and they will rock that stadium. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can do that. You know, the question is, in the CFL, when will that date B. Are we talking beginning of July? Are we talking beginning of August? Are we talking after Labor Day? And that's going to have an implication on how much support may be required from governments, how much will there is to move forward and play or postpone until such a time as fans can be in. Well, we know that the CFLPA is highly motivated to get a season underway on time. Beyond the fact that they're partners with the CFL in this whole process, I think both sides don't want to go through this a second time. There's been some discussion that if the players don't play this year, that if the vast majority will say, that's it, I'm not coming back anymore anyway. And that's kind of like a scary thought. I think it's it's kind of a, a throw across the bow, as it were. Mm -hmm. I agree. Pay attention. Whether it has weight or not, I don't know. Beyond that, if you're going to project that, that does show some earnest that you are committed to playing and you want to go ahead. Get in there, find out how you can do it and get it done so that we can get on the field and do what we want to do. I think the various stakeholders have to be motivated to play. I mean, the, the players, unless they hit the field, they're not making money. 
And so they're going to be motivated. The league itself knows that after losing the, the, what we're hearing is between 50 and $60 million last year with not having it, that they would be in, in a really tough place. It's not like they're not already in a bit of a tough situation, but, but a, a second year could mean that the league itself, and, and we don't want to talk about this, but, but it could be facing some financial insolvency and, and some issues that may be very hard to overcome. Uh, if players do go, my thought on that, Don, is that there's a lot of college players in the United States who'd be willing to come. And for a year or two, you might lose those players that are the face of the CFL. But I do believe there's people who are going to want a job. And if we lose a few of our superstars who are maybe later in their career who decide not to come back or other players who aren't willing to wait and move on with their career, I think there's going to be another generation of younger players coming up that would take that opportunity when it is available. I'm not in favor of that. I want the guys that are signed and ready to play to play. I don't want to have to see them sit out a second time and I don't want to have to see them take a tough decision that maybe I can sign a contract and they're still not going to play. Why am I signing this contract? I think I want the players that are signed and ready to go playing in 2021 and beyond until their careers naturally wind up. True CFL fans want to see that. We want to see the guys we know. We want to see the coaches we know. We want to see the players we know. You know, the excitement of being in the stadium is is what we're hoping for. Hopefully that is a possibility within this, uh, this season. And hopefully it's sooner than later. I still question whether or not that will be June 10th. Fingers are crossed because as a fan, the more football we can get, the better. If Ambrosi and the CFLPA can be in step as they go forward and present to whatever level of government they need to, whether that's provincial, civic, or federal. And the fact that Ambrosi's going or been at the CFOPA AGM, which is rare territory for a commissioner. Absolutely. It's really significant that there is some positive movement that they are coming together on this issue. And I really do believe that each has a self-interest, but each has a common interest. And one without the other is not going to go well. So if you're going to push forward, you have to be together. Maybe that was something that was lacking a little bit in 2020, but they've got it figured out. They've seen all of the successes that have gone on in other leagues. And honestly, if you can't get it done after all of this much time, wow. You've hit the nail on the head. Let's hope that that is uh, where we're going, Don. So I couldn't have said that better myself. I'm not even going to respond to that one. (laughs) Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Third Down Gamble can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble Podcast. Audio. Worth watching.